All right, y'all, welcome to another episode of the Good News Cast. Uh, we, as always, we appreciate you guys listening um, to the Good News Cast. Uh, my name is Colin Coates here with Jeff Hatton, per usual. Colin. Jeff's the uh, senior pastor of Redeemer here in Waco, and I serve with him here at Redeemer Waco. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe, uh, share uh, this episode or another episode uh, or just the podcast in general with a friend or family member, um, leave us a review, uh, make a comment, uh, anything help us uh, reach more people uh, with the good news of Jesus today. Uh, coming off of Easter, we're going to talk a little bit about the resurrection. Uh, Jeff just preached this a couple days ago, um, and so we're going to talk about it, discuss uh, the resurrection a bit more. Um not only what the resurrection is, the resurrection of Jesus, but uh, what it means, uh, its power, its implications in our in our life today. So uh, before we get into that, yes, how you doing? Good. I was just thinking about how I can't wait till we can start having cookies again. Or do you want to do a drink review? I, do we have one? Yeah. Let me yeah. pour it up. Okay. Fill the airwaves with something special. <laughs> oh. So, Can everybody hear this? Oh, yeah. Okay, so what is this? All right. So we're still trying to maintain this six-foot so perimeter. Yeah. So this okay. is a while back I bought a number of beers for our beer reviews. Um, this oh. is a Truly. This is not a beer. This is a Truly. These I feel like I, I started seeing ads for this, like super popular on Instagram and stuff. Truly, it's a hard seltzer. This is lemonade. Yeah, it tastes good. Um, I already, I already tried it. I'm going to try it one more time. Uh, this is a, you know, this is kind of like your, um, your frat party or you're sitting on the beach that's currently closed and you're not allowed to go to. (laughs) And I'm big on, I'm big on like fruity alcoholic drinks. Yeah. It's like if I go to a wedding and there's a open bar. You're and all, getting the fruity. All the guys are like, oh, can I have a Guinness? Because I'm still trying to prove my manhood. And then I walk up and I say, hey, I want you to make me a drink as though I am this frail. I, never mind. Yeah. Um, I want you to make me a drink as though I'm, I'm bringing this drink to my wife. Yes. You know, and she's this gorgeous girly girl. Yeah. Okay. That's the drink I want you to make. Yeah. I don't like this. Okay. Do you not like the aftertaste? I don't know what it is. It is the aftertaste. It has it has a really weird aftertaste. Here's the thing. This has one gram of sugar, and I think that's the thing. I think that's the problem. I yeah. think it's supposed to be like lemonade, yeah. fruity, but yeah. whatever they did to try to get there without adding sugar. I bet that's the aftertaste. It has yeah. that diet eh, right I think, after it. Uh, I, I so when like you're it. drinking, it tastes pretty good, and then the aftertaste doesn't. Yeah, it's got cane sugar and stevia. Yeah. And whatever whatever they're doing here, it's not working. But I bet the other Trulies are maybe good. Maybe it's just this lemon lemon for Could lemonade be. is, you know, just I thought it was grapefruit. Isn't that weird? Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> so uh, we just need to get back to cookies, man. We yeah, need to we get do. the economy back and get cookies rolling. Um Yes, we do. All right. Um Let's talk about the resurrection. Yeah. Let's get that behind us, whatever that was we just had, and let's move on to something good. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the resurrection. You just preached on it. Um, I just made a video for our youth group talking about the resurrection before before Corona. 
uh, hit uh, the youth group we were going through, just uh, working through Christology, who Jesus is, mm. what he did, and uh, and we we paused, we we covered the cross. So anyway, I just put that out. So uh, some th- some things are fresh on my mind. Um, and then uh, after we talk about the resurrection, we're going to offer up some recommended reading. And then we'll bounce out of here. So uh, when you think of resurrection, here's my here's one of the first thoughts that comes to my mind, and this will lead me into a question. Sure. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, when I was among you guys, um, this is a paraphrase, but mm-hmm. when I was among you guys, uh, I decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Christians, um, many, many people, uh, Christian or not, put crosses uh, on the walls of their houses. They wear them around their necks. Uh, rightly and biblically, the cross is this central focus uh, in Christianity and the lives of Christians. And it's central to when we talk about salvation, we talk about the cross, we talk about the death of Jesus. And I know when it comes to the resurrection, while we know it's important, we might not... Uh, have as much to say yeah right we might not have we might have a tenth of stuff to talk about we just know it's important that he came back from the dead yeah we're not totally sure what all the new testament might say yeah about it and its power and its implications so what starts rolling around in your mind oh yeah this is good i think what rolls around my mind is just what you just said the resurrection is almost treated like it's just validating that the cross was effective Mm -hmm. right so it's even um it's the exclamation point. It's the, hey, this really did happen. Hey, uh, what's taking place here was real and true. And the proof is that Jesus rose from the dead mm-hmm. as opposed to the resurrection of Christ actually accomplishing something too. Mm-hmm. It's not just a, a validation or a proof or an exclamation point. It's a work of God in some way. Mm-hmm. But it, that work of God in some way tends to get lost in... Uh, some sort of validation. Yeah, this is Jesus because he rose from the dead. He's God. Mm-hmm. This is um, what happened on the cross really took hold. It really was effective. It mm-hmm. really was accomplished because Jesus was risen from the dead. Here's the proof. Here's the demonstration. Here's the sign. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the power of God actually being released and unleashed in some magnificent accomplishment and way in its own right, the resurrection, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So when you were when you were thinking about it, what were the things that, uh, when you were talking to the youth, what were the things that were rolling around in your head about the resurrection? So, um, yeah. So, so what what I talked about in this video that that I made was um, primarily that uh, his resurrection is our resurrection. So, yeah, I I did both and. Um, if you are if you're there at Calvary and you watch Jesus die and you don't know what the Old Testament said yeah. about he's going to die and he's going to rise, you don't know that, but you watch him die, you think this is a normal death, uh, nor- relative, right? It's right. a crucifixion. It's not right. normal, but it's a, it's a it's a man dying, mm-hmm. um, and maybe this man said that by his death he was going to pay for sins and the sins of the world. Yeah. But when I'm watching him die, like, okay, you said you're going to pay for the sins of the world, but now you're dead and you're just laying in a tomb. So what now? Right. So what I talked about was um, when he comes out of the tomb, it does point back to the cross and Mm -hmm. say, that's not a defeat. That's a victory. Yeah. Because death for us is is our ultimate defeat in life. So 
I could lose a limb in a shark attack at the beach that's closed and I'm not allowed to go to right now. Okay. (laughs) Um, uh, but man, at least I'm still alive, right? (laughs) I could take a financial hit because of coronavirus. At least I'm still alive. Right. But the, but death is the one thing I don't recover from. Mm -hmm. It's, it takes it all. Mm -hmm. It takes everything from me. There's no recovery. There's no, at least this. No, no. Um, so, uh, I need that defeated for me. And, um, looking at Jesus's death, I would naturally say, well, he was defeated. He, he said he's the Messiah. He said he's going to save us all. You know, he said he's going to, et cetera, et cetera, but he just died. Oh, he just succumbed to the same thing that's going to happen to me. Right. We're just all getting, he walks out. Maybe a little more gruesome. More gruesome. Yeah. He walks out of the tomb and that immediately says something different about his death. Oh, the death was a victory, not a defeat. Yeah. Satan didn't win. Satan got crushed. Yeah. Sin didn't win. It got dominated. Yeah. I think as you said in your sermon, uh, death didn't kill Jesus. Jesus killed death. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Jesus killed death. Jesus killed death by dying. Yeah. But right. it was a victory. <laughs> right. Um, right, right. Moving on from yeah. that, just to... Uh, Romans six, mm-hmm. Paul, Paul says we're united with Christ in a death like his, we need Christ's death. It's the sin paying penal substitutionary death. Mm-hmm. Jesus in our place dies for our sins. Um, and we identify with that. Okay. That, that punishment that Jesus took, he took on my behalf. It's, it's counted as my own. Like my sins have been paid for, um, but Paul goes on to say, well, when you watch Jesus walk out of the tomb, when you read of it and you hear of it, you have to identify yourself with that resurrection too. Yeah. So if we're united with him in a death like his, we also are united with him in his resurrection. Yeah. So when I watch him walk out of the tomb, right. I go, oh, I'm going to walk out of the tomb. Yeah. Right? Uh, oh, I'm going to rise from the dead Yeah. because he rose from the dead. And then... One thing that, man, that, that hit me, um, and then I, I'm going to exhaust my theological understanding of the resurrection, <laughs> no, uh, was Paul says, uh, you know, Jesus will never, in Romans 6, Jesus will never die again. Yeah. And problem. so, oh, okay. Um, death doesn't have dominion over him. He's never going to die again. And now that Jesus, now that death doesn't have dominion over him, it doesn't have dominion over me either. Even though, and this has been a fascinating verse for me my whole life, um, Christian life, where Jesus says, um, he says two things, though you die, you will live. And then I think in the same place, he says, basically, um, you'll not, you, you're not going to die. And you're like, what are you talking about? 10 out of 10 people die. Yeah. You, well, you're not going to die because death doesn't have dominion over you and mm. because you're united in my resurrection and he's not going to die. So I'm ultimately never going to die. That's amazing. So Even it's though, more of a transfer. Death becomes actually overmastered, mm-hmm. over dominated, killed, crucified, so that the literal physical death is actually transferring you to life. That's crazy. That's crazy land. I mean, even so there is a separation, there is a yeah. breakdown, right? Yeah. There is a physical death, yep. the cessation, the negation of physical life but it is overmastered in such a way that you're ushered into ultra life and super life and eternal life. And one day you'll have a body that will be fully itself again and a more heightened 
<laughs> extra right extra way that's pretty it's pretty wild i mean right the resurrection is signaling to that as well there's yeah. a final resurrection you know i've got the the westminster confession in my head your body rests in your grave rests in the grave until yeah your body's still united to christ though yeah even in the grave yes and then one day there's a final resurrection uh new glorified body eternal life you know there's just unbelievable hope and yeah. good news you know when we read and hear of jesus walking out of the tomb it's so good because I, I think there's some great categories that church has talked about historically that I think are really, really helpful. There's the, there's the history of salvation. In other words, what Jesus has done for us, great preposition, mm-hmm. for us. So he, by his incarnation, by his perfect life of obedience, by his death, his punishing death, and by his resurrection, he's actually accomplishing something. He's doing something. And then theology moves into, well, what are its implications for us? And that's called the order of salvation. And this is like what he's done for us is now being applied to us. And it has tremendous, uh, if Paul was here, he'd say every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours. And Mm -hmm. unpacking that every, we enter into the order of salvation. You, You pick up words like calling and regeneration and justification and sanctification and glorification and this whole suitcase of atonement language, gospel, grammar, and images and ideas that are pointing to the events themselves and the messages about those events. But I think it's just really important to recognize that sometimes the Scripture is giving you the historical event, like it is in that Acts that we just looked at this past Sunday. It's talking about Peter saying, this Jesus, this human one, and it's fascinating that he starts with Jesus of Nazareth. He talks about the human one, talks about him being crucified, talks about him being killed. And that's the human historical level. But the scriptures also gives an, an interpretation, a divine interpretation. God doesn't leave it up to you and me to figure out what this event means, right. what the killing and crucifying of Jesus means, right? So when Paul says that passage, this I delivered up to you of utmost importance, Christ died, event for our sins, interpretation of the event, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have all this human historical going on in this first sermon preached in the history of the church by Peter. Uh, but we also have a, a divine interpretation messages about that. And I think he's getting to that message when he starts, and it's interesting, the grammar shifts to where he's actually taking you like live streaming. He has a camera and he's taking you down into the bowels of the underworld. He's taking you down into the the realm of the dead. He's taking you down into the watery grave with a camera. And while it's happening, those cords are being cut. Those chains are being loosened. The watery grave is actually unable to hold the one that's there. And that's why you have that fantastic line where he basically says death could not hold him. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're, here's an event that is astronomically, epically, globally, cosmically transformative. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it changes. It's so epic that it's actually the recreation of a whole new world, a new creation has dawned. And so now we're, we're, we're leaving a, a realm or an age that Paul called this present evil age that 
has been ushered in and is characterized by sin and death, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're moving into Jesus is just resurrected into a new age of justification in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely breathtaking, powerful, takes all the Bible to even talk about it, to expound it, to unpack it, to uh, communicate it. Uh, But it's wonderful to see how you have, in Scripture, you'll have snapshots of the history of salvation. Hey, here's what Jesus did, historical human level. And then you have the curtain pulled back. Now, here's what it means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's the, the gospel message, just the power of God to reach you and renew you and put you back together again. Yeah, so this is a fascinating, powerful passage. It's hard to put into words the, the magnitude um, of what this event really is because, I mean, just even as I'm thinking about it and talking about it, I've been talking about it earlier in the day for our youth um, and thinking about, I think it's in first Corinthians 15 because Paul goes in to talk about the resurrection of the dead. And I think it's in, I think it's first Corinthians 15 where he says in Adam, he says this in in Romans as well, similarly, but uh, by the one man came death and by the one man uh, came life or he's talking about the resurrection. Yeah. And, and it's just making me think how when you when you go back into Genesis and you're just looking at the whole story of the Bible, right? The overarching story, right at the get go, um, you have you have life uh, uh, created by God speaking, and right at the get go, you've got this entrance: the the sin enters the world, and then death, boom, yeah. death. So it's like the whole stock market just crashes right to zero right in the beginning. Yeah, and then the rest of the story is okay who who what is going to happen who's going to come to solve this massive problem yeah. like we we can't we do not have the words to describe the problem of death right that suddenly it's just we're it's just over for us right um and it gets worse when we talk about um we're not just annihilated we're talking about eternal death yeah uh, eternal judgment and condemnation right it gets it's um so the magnitude of the resurrection of Jesus to mm-hmm. see, oh, by the one man, by his resurrection, not not just a resurrection that's saying, hey, you know, I'm proving, I'm doing this just to prove that the cross worked. And I'm know? God, yeah. Um, no, 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 we're, we're watching, <laughs> you know, I don't know, the, the dawn of new eternal life, this salvation from death and sin and Satan and condemnation and judgment that we will live in this resurrection life forever and ever. It it goes right back to Genesis. In fact, that's how Paul starts Romans, right? says the spirit of holiness declares him to be the son of God. What is that? It's that that Genesis, let there be light. This Mm -hmm. is when he was, when he rose from the dead, it was him being actually justified and God saying, let there be light, a whole new creation, uh, a whole new world. Mm Everything is now being made new, has been made new, and will continue to be made new until the final consummation. So it's a, it's an incredible thing to think about that Jesus, as the second Adam, uh, is the one who finally fully obeys God, who finally and fully puts all of creation on his shoulders and carries it forward into glory, carries it forward into ultimate justification and life. Uh, it's unbelievable to think about. So when, even when you go into Philippians and, and Paul says that 
by his obedience, by him actually becoming a human being and substituting, uh, being the full human one and actually obeying God perfectly, even the obedience unto death, obeying God to even dying, the text says, therefore God exalted him, therefore God justifies him. And so the the sentence that every human being longs for, you're justified, mm-hmm. you're okay, you're enough, uh, you're righteous, you're acceptable, you're complete, um, you're welcomed, you're approved. Uh, the ultimate verdict, the ultimate sentence that we all long for, subconsciously, uh, even consciously, striving for, mm-hmm. I mean, just thinking about how much of our life is lived and even all the great myths and legends and stories of the ancient world and then the modern ones from all the superheroes, if you listen to their inner rhetoric, if you listen to their inner communication, if you listen to the stories, it's all about trials. It's all about heroes facing a trial or a Mm -hmm. test and proving their worth and their value. Uh, Why is that stamped indelibly into human history? Because Mm -hmm. there was an Adam who was supposed to have been that that one, Mm -hmm. and he wasn't. And then now in Jesus, you have that one. You have the one, the only one, the only human one, the only perfect human being who actually got justified Mm -hmm. at the resurrection, declared, you are righteous, you are the righteous one, you are the only... Son, you are the only human being that has loved God and loved others. You're the only human being that was actually a flourishing, perfect human being. You're the only human being that was holy as God is holy, perfect as God is perfect. And that justification of him, Paul says, is our justification. Mm -hmm. We now get his medals of honor. We now Mm -hmm. get, we get the reality of being approved, Mm -hmm. qualified. Uh, you're not a nothing. You're actually a somebody. You're not a nobody. You're not ceasing to exist. You're not moving towards chaos. You're not dead. You're actually an alive person. And your your worth and your value are now his. Mm-hmm. His medals, his righteousness. And that becomes the legal source that releases life, mm-hmm. a whole new world. And that's where why we beat this to death about what sanctification is. Sanctification doesn't happen if that doesn't happen. Sanctification is actually believing that and that becoming real in your struggles and in your pain and in your mental whatever breakdowns and in your problem relationships. It's nothing more than believing the gospel, swimming in the waters of the gospel. Well, and Paul Paul does that in Romans 6, uh, um, Romans 6, 11. He uh, doesn't he's not necessarily done, but he kind of moves to this um, major effect and this call and this charge to the readers, and he says, uh, "Consider yourselves alive to God." Yeah. If this is real, so so he's calling them to the work of daily sanctification. Yeah. And and that is principally and at its root, believe that you have resurrection life even now. Yeah. Even now. Through faith in Jesus, you've been given the Spirit, and you've been given this resurrection life, and um, there's more uh, fulfillment uh, and consummation to come, but believe it now. Right. Believe that the the, 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 the dominion of sin has been cut off, yeah. um, y- y- you know, and, and you're now alive. Ephesians 2, you were dead, and now you're alive, so believe that. Yeah. And as you believe that, it will have 
some of the most, uh, some of the tiniest effects on even like your most outward behavior, Yeah, you know, yeah. and the words you use. It's you so know? practical, experientially, functionally real. Yeah. I right. mean, to, to know that, oh, okay, so uh, when Jesus exited the tomb, he took me with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no more condemnation. I mean, how practical is that? Mm-hmm. Condemnation is what cripples all of us. Mm-hmm. Condemnation is a power that breaks us down. Uh, whether it's our own condemnation, our own judgment, our own critical voice, or whether it's the condemnation, the judgment, the critical voice of a parent. I mean, how many movies and books have been written about people trying to uh, shake off their, win their parents' approval, even though they're not even alive anymore? Mm -hmm. I mean, how many movies have that happened? You can go, I mean, good night, countless. So what if that was taken away? Right. What if the voice of condemnation, the power of condemnation in your life was taken away? And then what if you start thinking about the reality and I have a, I have a new life? I'm actually so that, that broken flesh, sinful nature is, is attached to me, but I also now am a new work. Yeah. I'm not actually starting to think things differently right. and feel things differently and I have this desires that I never had and this hopes and trust that I never had. And that was a work of God. Mm-hmm. And that you could actually trust God that he has that for you and that that is real right now. Yeah. It's not something you activate. It's not something you got to like release. It's true. Believe it. Yeah. Right? Oh, completely different. It's completely different to believe it is finished. Something is finished and believe it. And then something, having the sense that it's never finished, so do it. Yeah. It's a completely different way to live. Right. Um, I had a seminary professor. I think I've told you this. Uh, we don't have time to, to necessarily hear all of your thoughts, but he, I can't remember his name, but he was, he was amazing. I only had the chance to take him maybe once or twice. And he talked about uh, sleeping, going to sleep and waking up as this uh, daily God- uh, let's let's see how to say this. God given, God designed practice. Um, I don't mean practice in the sense of like something we do, but it's just built into how we live. We fall asleep, whether you want to or not. You're going to fall asleep, right? And waking up as a practice of resurrection, That's as awesome. a practice of yeah. a this shadow, uh, if you will, this shadowy picture of dying and rising from the dead resurrection i don't necessarily know like what i fully think about that i'm not trying to make some theological argument about it but (laughs) i can't remember the context he said it but but he just you know he he just saw how god designed life in these shadows and these pictures pointing to um you know uh what is for us or what we have in christ and and this he just talked about you go to sleep every night you know, and I've thought about this ever since this class where I'm like, yeah, I do. I just do like every night I just disappear into oblivion. Like what is sleep? Yeah. <laughs> I know like some scientists right now is like, well, sleep is this, but, yeah. I, but really like I just yeah. personally, like I, I lose all control. I just kind of disappear into either no dreams or dreams. And then all of a sudden I just open my eyes and I'm back, That's you know? So good. And yeah. he, anyway, yeah. um, I'll just leave. I'll just leave that out there uh, forever to chew on. Recommended reading. Uh, yeah. Let's finish up. Uh, recommended reading. I want you to recommend. Uh, you, you're going to recommend Prodigal God. I want you to share a few thoughts about Prodigal God by uh, Tim Keller. Yeah, I just think Prodigal God is like 
it's the story of the world. So it's the story of uh, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. It's the story of all of us. And Jesus kind of summarizes it, even the way he places it in Luke, is that he's telling the story of the world. He's telling the story of your heart. He's telling the, the story of your life. And he narrates it in two lost uh, sons. And so you can, you can, that book uh, is fascinating and is powerful because it, it, uh, it narrates who you are and how you lived and it maps the story of these two sons so that you see that, oh my word, that's my story. Uh, this is the story of Adam and Eve. This is the story of what the human condition is. This is the story of the world. Uh, and then it gives this clear, clear picture of the gospel and how the father and the true older brother uh, actually um, unpack the wonders of another story that we're meant to actually come alive to. And so I think the prodigal God is really good because it's um, it's typically been about one lost son, and that's the one that's all messed up and bad. Um, mm-hmm. But the context of that story is being told to religious leaders. So Jesus is actually telling the story to the son that's really, really good. Mm -hmm. And his life is really, really like on top of it. And like, this is the best people in the world and how the best people in the world are lost just as much as the, you know, the, the ones that tend to be more broken. Mm -hmm. Um, So sin manifests itself in a self salvation strategy that looks like trying to be good and it looks like trying to be bad, and both are lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the father reaches, the father's love reaches both those lost sons uh, because ultimately the story points to the fact that there's a real true older brother mm-hmm. uh, that by his going and seeking um, actually rescues all of us. So it's a great book. It unpacks that story. Uh, it's been meaningful and powerful to, uh, countless Christians, obviously throughout the history of the church, but it's fascinating that when you talk to the author of it, a guy named Tim Keller and, uh, his mentor that they, everywhere they have preached and taught on this particular story, it's had a tremendous effect in people's lives. It's an incredible book. Um, I think, I think probably reading that book has really taken the prodigal prodigal son parable, as we call it, uh, typically, and really lodged it into my heart and my mind. And I go back to it a lot, just even just, you know, kind of uh, meditating and thinking through it. Um, And yeah, that it's, I don't want to give the ending away or anything, but it's not, you know, centrally about the dude who ran away. He was bad, but it's kind of the point of that story is like, well, obviously, you know, but there's like a, (laughs) there's kind of a catch there, but to give, to give a far better recommendation than Jeff just gave, I think the book is only like 150 pages or less long and they're small pages. We're not talking standard size uh, boys and girls. We're talking small pages, short book, power packed. Um, It's awesome. So, um, all right, that's it for us today. We will be back uh, next week. As always, you can reach out to us, um, whether through our church website, RedeemerWaco.org, or especially goodnewsnotgoodadvice.com. If you have topics you'd want us uh, to discuss, um, questions uh, that, that the podcast raises, things like that, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, subscribe, rate, and review. Share this with a friend. And until next week, peace.